0: Good morning, everyone. Look at that, perfectly on cue. Everybody sits down. That is the first week, week 10, where I've said good morning and everybody sat down. Thank you, love. Man may be the head, but woman is the neck. Good morning, it's great to see you all. Hope you're all well this morning. Uh, For those of you on on my right-hand side, if you start to get roasted at any point, please feel free to move. We don't want you to be uncomfortable as everybody moves over to the left. My name is Colin, Colin Woodward. I'm the pastor here at DCB, and it's great to have you here this morning. So could we have the first first and only slide? This morning we are continuing on our uh, six-week series of looking at uh, what it means to worship, who gets what. So we've already looked at what worship is, is worship literally means worth-ship, which refers to the worthiness of God and His, uh, well, His right to receive special honor, reverence and praise. And when we worship God, we declare His worth, and He's worth our very best, is He not? Some of you think He is, that's okay, we're all in a process of discipleship, it's all all right, it's going to be all right. Psalm 22, verse 3, God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we worship him in spirit and in truth, then he comes. And uh, that's what we're experiencing uh, when we're here on a Sunday morning. So we worship, um, and then Andrew comes up, and then we have a bit of space and time, and then we experience him, do we not? Because he's here. So we want to worship until he comes. And also, that love to be loved needs to be expressed. So we want to be uh, open and free enough to be able to express our love for him, whether that's with lifting our hands or shouting out or singing or uh, even looking happy. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Uh, so we want to be able to express our love. And Psalm 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that is breast praise the Lord. So everything, everything. So everybody here, we should and it's right that we worship him. What I was talking about last week, or one of the points that I mentioned last week, was intimacy doesn't work in an inter- inter- I can't even say that word intermittent environment. So intimacy, we need to go along the flow. So whenever we come to worship, you'll notice that we don't stop, we don't have somebody speak in, we don't get back into it again. We want this to uh, find its flow so that we can uh, step forwards uh, more and more towards him, and it's escalating in reciprocal intimacy. Does that make sense? So we want to find the flow of what he's doing here. So this may not seem like it connects in, but believe me, it does. So how many trees were there in Eden? Well, there were several. This is a Northern Irish environment. Deathly silence. I, I had a geography teacher, and I think it was, in a, it was like an American pie. You know, when they go, uh, what's the capital of? And they go, anyone, 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 anyone's It's Barcelona. Uh, so that's what we're going to do today. How many trees were in the garden? Anyone, anyone? There were two. Two. Two trees in the garden. So there was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and there was the tree of? The tree of life. There are always two trees, and it depends which one you choose to eat from the tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I'm going to quote Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8 says uh, that we are to focus our minds on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. We are to focus our mind on these things, okay? Now, why am I saying all of this? Well, I want to make this comment. The good... The good of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has done way more damage than the evil ever did. Okay? The fruit of that tree is sticky and messy. Let me read from Genesis 3.3. You must not, this is what God said, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And I suppose they thought, they're going, and really the process was, It just wasn't as fast as they thought it might be. And then Genesis 3 verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. Why did she look at the tree? Because the serpent said, really? So if she hadn't have looked at the tree, she wouldn't have seen that it was uh, good for food. Pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. The enemy will always attack you on one of those three spheres. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. So what I want to comment on is that we need to know which tree we're eating from. And how do we know? Well, by its fruit, what does it produce? So when we are worshiping, we are choosing to eat from the tree of life. The things that are present on the tree of the knowledge... always seem to go over to the right and the left. So we've got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil over over here. We've got the tree of life. So these things are good and evil over here, and they are present in the garden. There may be things that are going on in your life at the minute that really are just good and they're evil, but they are not what we are about here. We are about life. Does that make sense? So when we come to worship... We are choosing to not worship off the back what is good and evil. Or even to think about those things. We are here to worship from the tree of life. The things that are of God. Life is uh, John 10.10 The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life, and life in all its fullness. And the word life is zoe, which is life as God knows it. So we are here to worship from a place of life. Why do I say that? Because a lot of the time we can have those things going on over here. Let me read from Habakkuk 317 to 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no fruit, though your business might be hitting the wall, though your relationships might be completely up the left, though your dishwasher, your car, your toaster, your hairdryer, and your straighteners may have blown up, yet I'm going to praise him because we're about the tree of life. Does that make sense? So when we come to worship, all of these things may be present. This was in Eden. It was in Eden that there was a knowledge of uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life in God's uh, perfect place that He gardened and designed for them. It was there. So there are two trees here, and we've got to make our decision. So whenever we come to worship, we've got to go. Even though, yet I will. It's not that we are saying this doesn't exist. We're not standing saying that we don't have any issues. I'm sure most of us have things going on for us. We're not ignoring them. We're not, what do you call it, uh, repressing or, what uh, say that again? Repressing. 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 Suppressing. We're not ignoring them. We're not uh, de- de- deceived that they're not around. We're going, even though yet I will. So is anybody with me? That, that There's so much going on. And we can yield ourselves to either of those things. And if you notice that the, the fruit of the tree, Eve looked at the tree and she saw and it started to draw her in and then she took it and she ate it and she passed it on. So there's lots of things that, that desire our attention. Things that are going on in the earth that we are tempted to look into you know, all of this kind of stuff. And it just draws us in and draws us in and draws us in. And the fruit of it isn't good. Whereas if we eat of this tree, of the tree of life, then we're going to uh, be alive and have his life in us. Okay, so we'll get off that and go back on track. So today we're talking about who gets what. What is the primary purpose of worship? Well, worship is given solely for God's honor and glory. It's you two saying, you've got to give it away. It wasn't bad, actually. Do you like that? Ooh. I was watching The Voice last night. That's where I'm in my falsetto. Ooh. So you've got to give it away. Worship is not about us. We actually have to choose. So we're not going to go to this tree. We're going to go to this tree. And we are choosing life. And how we get life is we die to ourselves. Okay? Jesus said that if you want to find your life, you've got to lose it. So we've got to surrender. Luke it. Jesus answered and said to him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord God and serve him only. And a lot of us at times may go, well, I didn't get a lot of worship today. Well, I just didn't feel it today. Every week I've done this for the past five weeks. I didn't feel it today. wasn't the place that I'm so tired. Oh, I just didn't get anything out of it. It's actually not about you. We all know that, don't we? Well, do we know that? Do we actually know that? That whenever we come, this is not about us. This is about him. Worship is given to the one that we worship. Our culture is bent on getting something in return, and worship typically can be self-centered. Now, we're going to talk about the benefits and what we receive from worship, and there are loads, loads and loads and loads and loads, but we do not primarily engage in this for our own benefit. This is from 1 Peter 4, verse 11. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion. Dominion, I had to look this up, which means sovereignty and control. The dominion belongs to him forever and ever and ever. And anybody know or remember the Westminster Shorter Catechism? Do you remember that? You used to get it at Sunday school and you used to have to learn a verse every week. Well, it says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So the best thing that we can do is to prioritize his presence. So what does God receive from our worship? Does he receive anything? Is it just nice for him? Well, he does. He, he receives our love and our thanksgiving for who he is and for what he's done. And does it mean that he is needy of our love? Do you think he is? (whistles) Yeah, he is. He desires our love and wants our love. So it's not, I mean, like here's the problem. We can't see him. I can see you. If I come to you and I say, thank you so much. Thank you for what you've done for me. I really appreciate that. I can see you, and there's normally a physical exchange, whether it's nonverbal and there's a smile or there's a tear or there's a hug. But whenever it's him, we cannot physically see him because God is spirit. But this is a real exchange. Tell me, do you see the Wi-Fi signal that is present in this room? Can you connect to it? Does it give you benefit when you connect to it? it? Depends what you do with it. But it's real. There's radio waves here radioactive raves probably. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not going to get into physics. You could all go, well, actually, I have a PhD from Oxford, and you were talking complete nonsense. If it was talking complete nonsense, forgive me. But part of the difficulty in this exchange is we can't see him, and we're hardwired for a face-to-face relationship. But he receives something. Mark my words, he receives something. We experience him. That's part of the reason why Andrew gave the direction. Just let's uh, close our eyes and hold out our hands because actually, whenever you close, close your eyes, it's much more easier to focus on him and who he is. And I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I just imagine or see, you know, today I was just like, I, was, I would stand sometimes with Isaac and I would put my arm around him just as he's standing doing something or put my hands on his shoulder or ruffle his hair. And that was what, what I saw this morning for me. So, all human relationships really have their origin in him, am I not right? The Trinity is the one that has had the first relationship and the always relationship, so why can't it be similar? So if it helps to, to start to imagine those things, you may find that as you imagine it, it becomes very, very real. He loves you deeply and dearly. He loves it whenever you come close and you give him the love that he's due So what's the natural byproduct of us worshiping God? Well, when we open ourselves up, we receive whatever he has for us. We get to know him better. There's powerful fellowship. We start to understand his will, what he's up to, and we can start to yield ourselves to that. We get separated from the obstacles that are between us the obstacles that are often the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If there are certain circumstances in your life and you think, I really feel that God wants me to do thus and so, and then we get into the region of our soul and our own understanding, and we go, well, that can't possibly work because there's this, 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 and this. Don't we all do that? Or if you just stay over here, we go, well, in Proverbs 3... Am I right? Proverbs 3, 5. It says, do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Now, this is a really nice place to be. But you're going to have to work really hard to not get drawn over to here. Well, what about this, and what about that, and what about this bill, and that bill, and this circumstance, and this relationship, and how is it going to work? Oh, I don't know. It's a... But if you stay over here, the tree of life, you just got to go, okay, God, I believe that you've spoken this. I trust you. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. And you have promised, even though I may never have experienced it before, but you've promised that you're going to make all my way straight. So as we do that, then actually we find that those things start to work themselves out. But most of us don't hold on for long enough to see those things work themselves out because we are here in a place of peace, something happens over there, and it knocks us, and we get drawn over, and then we're stuck in it all again, and we try to figure it out ourselves. Am I the only one who has had that t-shirt? Okay, so are you with me? So what we want to do is we want to stay over here. Whatever he says, he will get it done. He may not get it done in the way that you want it done or in the timing that you want it done, but it's not about you. He knows the best way to have your life move forward. Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to destroy you. It's a bit like coming to a football match and it hits halftime and you go, my team's losing. I know a sports analogy that I actually feel like I own a little bit. I did an art degree. I like gardening. There's no hope. But you wouldn't do that. But we do that all the time in our spiritual life. Well, God said that that was going to happen, and it just—it's oh, just never going to happen. And then other people go, "You know, I knew that. I, 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 you know, I thought you were crazy that that would never happen. You just need to accept that life is blah 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 blah. No, it's not. But you've got to participate. Well, it never happened the way it did. Yeah, but you didn't participate. The offer was on the table there. It's still on the table. The table's over there in the tree of life. It's not over here in the knowledge of good and evil. As we uh, worship then, we receive an impartation of the righteousness of Christ, the spotless one, what he did, we get that. We experience his transformation and we become like him. And Jesus releases his kingdom upon us. Matthew six thirty three But seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And if you feel that you're not getting anything out of worship, then you need to start to assess why you're worshiping. What's your aim? Is it about you or is it about him? Is your chief aim to bless him or is it really for you to get what you need? Let me read. I think this is Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and don't forget all his benefits. He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He does a lot for us, even the moments. What I've discovered about myself is if I'm tired, everything is awful, awful. Everything irritates me. I just look around everywhere. It is absolutely awful. Now, is it absolutely awful? Okay, now be careful what you agree to here. I could tie you up in knots and push you over your own agreements. It's my perception. It's my subjective perception of reality. And in the past few months, as my wife starts to weep, oh God, I have started to discover when I am tired, I am not a happy person to be around. I am better to be on my own and far away from all other creatures that breathe. Preach it. Preach it. Because when I wake up tomorrow morning, the hills are. Do you remember in Friends? Morning's here, the morning's here, sunshine is here. No? Nobody remember that guy? The morning's here guy? Chandler hated him because he wasn't a morning person? Well, I am that guy, but I may go to bed that night and everything is awful and it's going to fall apart. It's not really awful, it's the knowledge of good and evil. Life is that actually we're good, we're doing all right. So as I've become more aware of myself, as I've listened to the voices outside, even though it always seems to come through my wife, why is it easier to take it from anyone but your spouse? When your spouse says, maybe you want to look at that, why do you want to rake your face? Okay, moving swiftly on. When your motives are correct, you can expect expect that your mind will be renewed with a fresh sense of his beauty and majesty. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. Do not be conformed to this world or the pattern of this world, but be renewed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know that actually they have discovered that if there, if there are pathways of thinking, so it's a bit like in a field, grooves where the tractor goes, thoughts without any uh, influence will just naturally find their course. So if you... Uh, do the whole uh, process 2 Corinthians 10-5 hold every thought captive and lead it away in obedience to Jesus Christ it's a bit like getting a a note and going is this real and holding it up to the sun and going yep it's got the watermark it's good it can stay and I can use it if a thought doesn't pass the sun test see what it did there if a thought doesn't pass the sun test, then you want to get rid of that, okay? Now, what they've discovered is, if there are patterns of thinking that you have that you may not even be aware of, whether it's you come up to a mirror and you think, I'm fat and ugly, and blah, 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 or whether it's you think that, I can't do this, I never can do this, I'm never gonna mount the hill of beans, whatever it is, as you, with God, stand and go, no, I am not yielding myself to that thought. Those, I think it's synaptic pathways, actually die and your mind is actually and physically renewed it starts to develop new connections so if you had met me ten years ago I, I thought very very differently to how I think now so it's possible just because it's your current reality or I don't like eating that well so so what who are you to say what you can do or what you like or what you don't like. Does the clay ever say to the potter, I don't like this pot that you're making me? It yields itself to the potter because the potter knows exactly what it's doing. I didn't like how I did my A's. Matt, you'll remember this from years ago. Um, I didn't like how I did my A's in my handwriting. I used to do the big fat circle, you know, and then the line down the side. What I did like was, you know, the ones that are, I'll do it this way, that way with the fat belly underneath. You're all looking at me like, you're what? He doesn't like football. He had a subscription to Gardener's World. He has an art degree, let alone. So what I did was I determined that I was not going to do my A's like that anymore. I was going to do them like that. So the first number of times, number of weeks nearly, I could, every time it was very frustrating. I was just like, why do I keep doing my A's like that? I could not do an A that way anymore. I did it now with the bulb underneath because I wanted to change it. We can't change your handwriting. I change mine. I can't change how you think. Yes, you can. So is it possible? Can you change from your current circumstance the issues that surround you for 40 years, 20 years, 3 years? Is this the end of the story? Or do we have a God for whom all things are possible? Do we? Right. So live by it. We want to live by this stuff. We are not the finished product. It's not even half time. So let's not make a decision about uh, where we think we are. So some of this stuff, if you look on the table at the back there, we have um, Freedom Plan leaflets. Um, and they outline from a biblical point of view, uh, John 8:32, 32, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free." 2 Corinthians 10:5, uh, hold every thought captive. Philippians 4, 8, whatever is good, whatever is noble. Romans 12:2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be renewed by the renewing of your mind. Why do I know those things off by heart? Because I know those things off by heart. Because they change my heart. Because God is like Ron Seal. He does exactly what he says in the Ten. And if your current experience does not line up to biblical truth, the problem is not with biblical truth. It is with you. Okay? Can we handle that? Well, you offended me this morning. That's all right. I'm okay with that. If it means that you're freer, and you're more alive, and you're doing exactly what you're created to do, I don't give a rip. Anybody with me? Amen. Let's go Pentecostal, people. I have to, got to tell you. So I started a new job this week, and there's a concierge in it, and he's called Stanley. Well, he's not. He's not American. Stanley is from Nigeria. And I was talking to Stanley, and I said, "Uh, where are you from? He says, I'm from Nigeria. And I said, oh, I was in West Africa for two months. Oh, you have been in West Africa for two months? I said, yes, it was. I said, I really miss Red Red. Oh, Red Red, oh, this is the best, my friend. I said, do you eat any plantain? Oh, how do you like to eat your plantain? I said, I love the fried. Oh, and then as he walked away, he said, you are a black man in a white man's body. I was like, <laughs> I have arrived. <laughs> I swear, I was walking away going, that's right. mm mm-hmm. Oh, special moment. I think I could die now after he made that statement. I wish I had it recorded. Oh boy. So, as we, let's stay on track. As we behold him, we are changed. We want to learn to be intimate and self disclosing in worship. 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord who is the Spirit. Intimacy and transparency can be a hurdle for us in worship. So we've got to learn to be self-disclosing and it is imperative for a spiritual transformation that we are. We can stand and say, I am really, really struggling with the thought that you're a good God. And not being in any way in error or in sin. We're just being honest. I am struggling with this. Or we can stand and say, Well, you're not good from my personal experience. Do you see the difference? We've got to be honest about where we're at. We do not want to be saying, God, you're not good. It's not going to work for you. Sorry, apologize. I a lot of that this morning, those embarrassing moments. Um, but we do a lot of that or can do a lot of that in worship. Well, not really feeling that today or you're not really good or don't really think that you are all powerful. We want to say, God, I am re- do you know I really struggle with that part of you? That's okay. That's all right. We need to be honest. We need to let those things out. We need to let what we really believe out in the light of Scripture. We want to worship in spirit and in truth. We want to lift the veil, have unveiled faces, bring our pain, trouble, sin, whatever. That's okay. You're allowed to be here and have that stuff. This is the best place that you can be. Lift the veil on it because you'll find that you're healed and matured in the process. We look in the mirror. We see Christ and not ourselves and not our stuff. And we get his images on us as we worship him. And the glory, the glory part? Well, the glory is the very nature of God. As we experience his glory on us, we are transformed. This is about progressive spiritual growth. This is not about a one time that we come and experience him. This is about repeatedly. You'll find that if you join us at Small Group, quick plug, Small Group is the place that you're going to find your own needs met. Here, we want to worship together and have a grand old time. But in small groups, you're going to find that your needs are met. Every time that we get together in small group, we're always going to worship and we're always going to have ministry because we want repeated Holy Spirit activity. We want to present ourselves and we want to say, God, I'm here. And we want to let him uh, minister to us. So to finish, how do we enter into intimate, self-disclosing worship? Well, there are two simple but profound elements, which I talked about in depth a couple of weeks ago. We want to worship in spirit. Well, first of all, you've got to have the spirit, born again of the spirit. If you're born again of the spirit, then you are his. Romans eight sixteen, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So we need to be his. So we invite and allow the Holy Spirit to move upon us. The Holy Spirit connects with our spirit and we're all. It's like, getting, like clicking into the Wi-Fi or plugging yourself into the socket to worship in spirit. We've got to connect with the spirit, spirit to spirit. Not on the level of the soul. It may start on the level of the soul, but it will always end up spirit to spirit. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit moves on our redeemed spirit and worship ascends to God, who is spirit, and it's reciprocal. We worship him, and it just goes up, and it goes up, and it goes up. And worship in truth, Will we worship? We want to worship in line with Scripture, in line with the Word of God. John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them in the truth, for your Word is truth. God has given us the truth, Jesus, and in the principle of His Word, and we must worship in the truth for the worship to be received. The truth of Scripture and the truth of where we're at. The truth of our personal experience. Not contrary to the Word of God, but we can certainly be honest about where we're at coming on. I find the greatest benefit when I have finally admitted that I really struggle with that. God normally goes, thank you. (laughs) Because he's not shocked. Because it's just a veil. He can see behind the veil. The veil is ours to lift. And that is the part that he will never cross. He may put words of knowledge up. There's someone here in a Navy jumper today and they have long hair and you're from this and he may call you out, but you still have to respond so it's yours to lift the veil. So what happens whenever either of these elements are missing? Well, worship is not going to happen. It's going to be an empty form and it's going to be a ritual and it's going to be devoid of intimacy and devoid of real relationship. I'm done with that. I really am done with that. We want to worship the living God and have whenever we praise him that he comes among us. Could I get the guys up if you would start to play? So we want to worship him in spirit, spirit and truth. Yes. We want to worship him from the tree of life. Yes. We do not want to start to get involved with all of this junk over here because it's sticky and it's messy and it's going to end in our death. Can I get us to stand together? So this morning, as always, every time that uh, there's a message, there's going to be a response to that message. And as always, I've got some questions to help you to respond. And as always, you don't need the questions. If it was me, I'd be up. If you don't normally come up, just come up. I don't do that. Well, with all due respect, how's that working for you? Come on up. So do you desire to worship God with all you've got? Do you want to lift the veil and worship him in spirit and in truth? Are we done with playing? Do you want your mind to be renewed? Are you ready for a different and refreshed and renewed reality? If you can answer yes to any of those things, if you can't answer yes to any of them, come on up and join me now. So as always, we're going to worship for a time, and then the team are going to minister. So Holy Spirit, we want to say thank you for your presence among us, and we ask that you would increase further. We ask that you would help us to do the things that we don't want to do or don't know how to do, because we know that it takes you to worship you, so come Holy Spirit.